To me, in a world full of negativity, you have to be positive. There's 11 guys on the football field, but I'm going to play for the other team. You know, we all have that mindset, I don't want to let you down. And I think when you do that, you can have more individual success than you ever dreamed of. Welcome to the next episode of What's Next with Eric Wood. Our next guest is the head football coach for the University of Louisville, Scott Satterfield. Coach Satterfield was the 2019 ACC Coach of the Year. Satterfield also earned Sunbelt Coach of the Year last year. He is just the sixth coach in NCAA history to be honored at one school the previous year and win the award at a different school the following year. Scott is a phenomenal leader, a great Christian man, and he's an incredible husband and father. Through this episode, you will learn a lot about Scott growing up and his playing career. He talks about core values within his football program, which can be applied to any organization or business. He talks about expectations going into last season and the power of the players buying into the coaching staff and how they built that trust. He also talks the positives and negatives to the coaching business and much more. Coach Satterfield is also one of my neighbors and has become a great friend of mine. Enjoy the podcast. Throughout my NFL career, I worked with many custom clothing companies. Guys would come from around the country and set up shop in our facility and try and sell us clothes, and no one has compared to someone I work with locally in Louisville, Jordan Yoakum with Tom James. He is an expert concierge that can save you time. You know, I don't even have a full-time job right now, and it's hard for me to go to the mall and pick out clothes or to order something online, and it generally doesn't fit, and then I either got to go get it tailored or me and my wife got to go send it back. Put an end to that. Jordan works within a 100-mile radius of Louisville, Kentucky, and he will come to you with the clothes, and it's great. You can contact Jordan at j.yokum at tomjames.com or visit the website tomjames.com for more info. Let Jordan create a game plan with you for your wardrobe, just like we did preparing for NFL defenses, but instead of attacking defenses, you'll be attacking your next business meeting, wedding, or derby event in style. The cutoff for Derby Week clothing is March 15th. That's j.yokum, Y-O-C-U-M, at tomjames.com. And when you contact Jordan, make sure you tell him Eric Wood sent you. Coach Sat, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Glad, glad to be on. So we're going to start off a little differently than I've done in the past. I, I reached out to a bunch of people, get some questions for you, some topics that definitely we wanted to get discussed. And uh, your wife sent a text um, that I think Watch we need out. to start the show off with. And <laughs> the way you know the way she put it was, Scott can talk the horns off a of billy goat, so it doesn't really matter what's discussed. She said, "That sounds really country, by the way." I know. <laughs> Boone, North Carolina, is country though. Yeah. But she said Scott's journey is pretty interesting itself only because he started off as a walk-on nobody and has climbed every step of the ladder without compromising his integrity none of which has been easy but completely rewarding he also has three amazing children and a smoking hot wife (laughs) and i figured i I figured i'd let her do the intro there (laughs) and, and we can get rolling how we do with the rest of the guests and and just start off talking about where you grew up sports you played and kind of your journey through high school yeah, I think, uh, you know, first of all, I do have three amazing kids and a smoking hot wife, so she she made sure I, I mentioned that. Um, so that's good we're starting the show off with that. But 
Um, yeah, where I grew up, you know, I grew up in Durham, uh, probably five minutes from Duke University. And, um, and then when I was in the seventh grade, my parents moved out, we say out in the country, out to Hillsboro, and, you know, on about 20 acres, a lake, a pond. Um, so, you know, it took you 30 minutes, 25 minutes to get to a grocery store. So it was out in the country. And ended up going to Orange High School right there in Hillsboro. And, and, and so um, growing up, played everything, you know, football, basketball, baseball, whatever season was in, I was playing it. Um, love sports always. I, I remember I remember in elementary school, I forget what grade, third or fourth grade, we had to do book reports every day, every week. Go to the library and you, you do a book report. Well, I, I would do autobiographies on football players, basketball players. And, if, and we got to a point probably after um, Christmas where my teacher said, listen, you can't do sports books anymore. <laughs> you got to pick something else. And I'm like – and I'm thinking at the time, well, this is what I love. This is what I enjoy. And now looking back on that, I'm like, why would she not encourage me to follow what my passion is or my dream? You know, I'm now I'm making a living in right. sports. Uh, you know, but she wanted me to try to, I guess, you know, do something else or, you know, try to find some other interests. But but that was my interest. And, I, and I've always been that way. I've always loved sports. And, um, you know, so I was – like I said, that guy in high school that played whatever was in session. I ran track my sophomore year, 11th grade, 12th grade. So – Try to do it all I could do, uh, sport-wise, and then, and really, you know, in high school, I I tore my ACL my junior year, very first game of my junior year of football, mm. so I basically missed that football season. And this is back when they casted you up post ACL, well, oh, right? Yeah, you if you, for five weeks you don't even move your leg, you know, and and it's so dreadful, um, you know. But it's uh, but I was able to come back, and I was on the basketball team. I didn't play, you know, but I was a part of it, um, and then I, you know, I ended up running track that, that spring, but I really didn't do much of that either. Um, so then came back my senior year and, and played. Uh, but, you know, I really didn't get recruited um, out of high school because of that junior year. You lose that junior year, and you know, and, and that's when a lot of times you get looked at. And so I got an opportunity uh, from a coach at App State, Tim Horton, who's a running back coach at Vanderbilt now. But Tim was a young coach, just kind of just starting out, played at Arkansas, um, just got to App State, was just sitting in the office at night making calls. He's calling high school kids, hey, won't you come walk on? We didn't have a number back then uh, of, of a limit. You know, now, you know, they limit. With Title IX, you get limited, but we didn't have a number. Um, so he was just calling as many guys he could call that he thought were pretty good players, hey, come walk on. Well, we ended up that year, I think there were over 50 walk-ons that came out. Wow. August 3rd, 1991 to App State. I was one of them. I just needed somebody to say, listen, we're going to give you a shot to play ball. I, I wanted to play ball. So, didn't know a whole lot about App State. And so ended up coming out there and walking on. And, you know, it was it was back then we had a pay phone right outside our – people nowadays don't know what pay phones are, these young people, but it was right outside our football building. And, you know, obviously didn't have cell phones. But I, I remember walking by that pay phone every day thinking, man, during camp I'm calling home, going home. This, this is too hard. I wow. Because they tried to kill us. They, they were literally trying to run everybody out of there. You know, it was old-school approach, uh, let's go hard, we'll weed out all these walk-ons and the only strong survive, you know, whoever can make it. Um, you know, but I, but I never did. I just kept every day just making it one day by day, um, you know, and then obviously ended up, you know, playing that year and red shirt and on a scout team and ended up earning a scholarship the very next year. And uh, um, and then next thing you know, my <clears throat> sophomore year, red shirt sophomore year, ended up starting. So I ended up starting three years, captain my senior year, undefeated my senior year. But anyway, just uh, – you know, that's a quick synopsis of that that in high school and in college. But, I mean, there's a lot of hard work involved in that, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of heartbreaks. And then, but at the end, it was all worth it because now you're you're a part of a team that we went undefeated my senior year and ended up losing the second round of the playoffs 12-1. and one. But 
um, you know, incredible journey throughout that my time there at App State. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't change one bit of it. I mean, I think, you know, obviously as you go back in high school, you hate getting injured and all that. But, I mean, so much of that builds character. Um, you know, it just it's just part of your journey. It's, it's life, you know, and I think, um, you know, it's really made me who I am today. You mentioned you played all the sports. When you recruit kids now, do you look for multi-sport athletes, or does it really not matter? You want to, you're looking at the individuals. Yeah, you know, initially when you're looking at guys like that, you're you know you're looking to see what they can do. What's their skill? Uh, will they fit for what we do? But then as you start recruiting them, you start diving into it a little bit. Um, you realize uh, some of them are multi-sport guys, which I love. I love I love the fact that these guys want to compete because I think that's what it comes down to. Um, it doesn't matter what the sport, what what you're doing, checkers, you know, chess or whatever, bowling, uh, compete. And so I love the guys that play all the sports. Uh, I think I think it's just that means they have a competitive nature about them, and that's what we want. Uh, you know, do you go into it looking for that specific thing? Not not necessarily, but but when we find that out. That's just one added nugget for those guys. So I really love that that part about players. I love what you said about just recruiting competitors. Yeah. I, I got the chance to meet John Wooden while I was training for the combine. Uh, before he passed, and he he uh, he gave me a autographed pyramid of success. What he, oh, what, he? Wow. what his That's big awesome. deal was, um, and, and I believe it's the top one is competitive greatness. Like he wants guys that just will compete yes. every single day. Yes. And if you get a bunch of guys like that, then you can you can build something yes. upon that. It's hard it's hard to beat a bunch of guys like that, right? I mean, because. You know, here, here's what I found with that is that guys that like to compete, that means on a daily basis they're competing. So, you know, in football you get 12 opportunities to show what you have, right? So that means all the other days, you know, it's training. It's, it's right. uh, going through that. So if I'm a competitive person, then all those other days I'm competing like my tail off. I'm trying to beat you at, you know, at squats or power cleans in the weight room or agilities on the field or, you know, whatever that may be. But if I'm doing that, I'm getting better. Every single day, I'm in a, and I'm going to get better, and I'm going to grow. And if you do that as a team, that, that's how you win championships. Definitely. Right? So that, that's what, that's the part I think is a lot of times go often goes unnoticed. Definitely. And, and when I went to one of your practices last year for the first time, one of the things that stuck out to me initially was you had drills, uh, special teams drills, especially that there's not even a ball in play. It is yeah. simply competing one on one. Can you beat this man? And to your point. It's like you get you get a bunch of guys competing, and, and there was points on the line. It's this yeah, big right. team competition because I'm yeah. I'm a numbers guy. I want to see a list. I want to see a, right. I, there's got to yeah. be a leaderboard and everything. I ask my wife every week for a score update with how I'm doing as a husband and dad. Like I <laughs> I want a number. I want a score, that's and awesome. that's how I measure myself in life. But yeah. when did you know you wanted to get into coaching? Well, I think you know when I, when I went to App State. I initially, my dad owns a paving company, so I grew up. You know, shoveling asphalt, working concrete, hard work, you know, just labor intensive. And, and so I, my dad always told me growing up, you know, if you ever really want to make it in life and make money and all that, then you got to own your own business. And so I was going to, I was going to own, you know, either take over his business or, uh, or start another business. So I was going to major in business. So I get to happen after about a year and I'm, I'm realizing I'm like, you know, I don't know if I really want to go that route. I, man, I love sports. I mean, how not, why not be a coach? And so I, I switched to education. And started majoring in that, um, and finished up with with education. But uh, and and realized probably there after that first year that this is what I want to do. And I'm thinking probably high school, you know, just try to impact and go back and coach basketball, coach football, coach track, you know. And, um, and so I got my degree and was able to do that. Um, my second year out of college, went back and coached at 
at my wife's at Beth's um, high school. And so Beth and I, I coached football, and then Beth and I did indoor track in the winter and then outdoor track in that fall. We just did it one year because then I was able to go back to app and coach. But uh, but I just think uh, being involved in sports all my life, I mean, that's, that's my passion. So, you know, do something that you're passionate about, and I think you'll have success at it. Yeah, what would what advice would you give to guys that want to get into coaching? Is it study education? Is it be around it? Because because yeah. uh, a lot of guys don't that want to get into coaching don't go from uh, you know starting quarterback, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. take a couple years off and then get back to their alma mater. Yeah, yeah you know it's hard. It's very, it's very challenging. I I had I spoke this past week down at an AFCA convention. It's our our national coaches convention. Over six thousand coaches were there and. I was on a panel uh, talking to a bunch of GA coaches, oh, probably a thousand GAs out there, and then and then you see them afterwards, and they're like, you know, what advice can you give me to try to get in this thing? It's so competitive, it's so hard, uh, and everybody's got their own journey and their own way of doing it. But I think probably the easiest way to do it um, is is number one, if you play the sport in college, then then, then that's that's good because now you you're able to play it, and you you can see through the eyes of players, and and then you hopefully transition from that into a GA spot somewhere. Um, but there's also guys that didn't play college football, uh, and they they wanted to be involved with the sport, so they went to their college and somehow got in their foot in the door at that, co- that college. We've had a bunch of coaches do that, where they may start out the first year, they may be in the equipment room, you know, they, they're going to help out passing mm-hmm. out equipment, um, maybe giving water to the players or whatever. And if you work hard enough, and then the coaches notice that, well, then maybe you can slide into a student coach role, you know. And then once you graduate, they'll just slide you into GA role. Um, uh, it, and so I've seen a lot of guys make do that path. So it's kind of carving your own path. I think it's I think it's being persistent and a little bit hard headed, you know, and, and just keeping your foot in the door and keep aggravating the guys. And eventually, you hang around long enough, they're going to give you something to do, right? Right. And I think that's 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 the way guys need to approach it. I mean, if you're that passionate about it, and I, and I tell guys all the time, if you don't, if you can't live without it, then that's when you can do it. But if you can, then you're probably going to do something else because it's too hard. Right. Too many guys will not make it. You know, it's so competitive. There's not. There's only so many spots. And uh, I was just fortunate and blessed to be able to go back to App. Um, that we had a spot open and coach, you know, afforded me the opportunity to come back. You know, and I'd been married two years, and you know, it's a full time spot, but it's a part time pay. You know, and as a matter of fact, it paid seven thousand dollars for the year. <sighs> No benefits, and I've been married two years. And, 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 and that's what a lot of guys don't realize don't when they see these coaches making so yeah, much money right. is what, what the sacrifices. They, yeah, mm-hmm. they made a lot of sacrifices along the way. ton of sacrifices, and, you know, and again, I, I didn't know I was going to make it. I, I didn't. Beth said, well, we'll give you two years, you know. And so I, I went back, and, and, I, and I started. And I, that, that summer we did a, a football camp there at App, and I started coaching the wide receivers and coached that fall. Um, that winter, I, I wasn't able to go recruit. I had to go try to make some money. So we have a, a ski mountain, a snow skiing, right there at, at App. And I went and made snow throughout December and January. Wow. And then whenever I got off, I'd go to the office and say, well, what's going on? You know, just trying to make some extra money and uh, just trying to make it. And then fortunately for me, uh, that same coach, this is ironic, but the same coach that, that called me to come walk on, Tim Horton, he was our running back coach at the time. And he gets called from Fisher to Barry, and Fisher ends up hiring him at Air Force Academy, coach running backs. And so we had a, a full time spot open, and Coach Moore hired me for that spot. And so in like March, and um, and so now I made it. Now I'm full time, probably making thirty thousand, um, you know. And, and then the rest is history, you know. So, uh, but it's it's. But I was very fortunate, blessed. You know, a lot of people, 
they could work 10 years and not get the full-time spot. Mm-hmm. You know? So uh, it just kind of worked out for me. Definitely. And, and as we sit here recording this podcast, your office looks into the stadium, oh, yeah. you know, and you got this gorgeous facility. Mm-hmm. And But you appreciate it more when you cut your teeth the way you did and all that. And, and I'll be honest with you, I'm doing the broadcast gig right now. I would love to be coaching. Yeah. I mean, I think um, – you know, maybe it's facetious, but I think I'd be good at it. You know, I've been around the game so long. But I'll tell you what scares me about it is the time away from yeah. the house and and moving around because, yeah. you know, whether – I could I, – you would probably offer me an intern spot up here. I don't <laughs> yeah. require a lot oh, yeah. of pay. Maybe I could hang around. Yeah. But but it's it's always moving your family. Yeah. It's the in college football too. The recruiting is that is that the toughest part about this business is is the the time away and then what what yeah. a lot of times is moving your family around. Yeah, it's got to be. You know we you know you got you got to think when from the time. Let's just talk about the season and that's and there's several different seasons within the year so to speak but when you talk about the football fall when you start in august when we start camp it's almost like you're kissing your wife and kids bye and we'll see uh you know at the end of the bowl i mean that's essentially what happens we work seven days a week and you're here all the time like i'm I'm here in my office way more than i'm at my house and throughout the year and so that part away is is really really tough um one of the reasons, you know, why I encourage our coaches, the families to come to the building, you know, bring your kids up here. I, lo- I love it when I see the little kids running around the hallway. I mean, because, you know, that's what it's all about is your family, and that's why we do it. Now, we, we as coaches, we love the sport. We love being doing this mm-hmm. and being around. But we also love our families, and we don't want to sacrifice that. And there's a lot of places across this country that they don't have that same philosophy as far as their families bringing them to the office. So that, that's the most difficult thing, probably time away. Um, and then, but then you get in the in the in the spring semester, and we're out recruiting, um, right? And you're gone. I mean, you're gone. You're not here. If it's, as an assistant coach in the month of May, I may be gone four weeks, and you know, I'm not there at the house. I'm missing a lot of things. Um, you know, Beth and Beth says, and you know, shoot, I've gotten texts from you. Hey, we're you know having some people over in the fall. You know, right. I'm like, well, I can't make it, man. You know, I just can't. I love I to al- be there. <laughs> I always preface those yeah. because, well, one, I don't want you to pull down the street and see a bunch of cars <laughs> oh, outside right. and say, hey, why wasn't why wasn't I invited? Right. I always want you to know mm-hmm. you're invited, but mm-hmm. I always preface them. Hey, I know you're busy, <laughs> and there's probably a one percent chance you can come by, but I just want to let you know you can come hang if you want to. Uh, you know? No, no question, and I appreciate that. One of these days, I'll, I'll probably stop by there. You know, right. but it, it's like Beth. You know, some of her friends over the years, like, hey. Why don't you guys come over Friday night? We're, we're cooking out, you know. And she's like, well, I'm by myself. You know, Scott's not here. So, and that part's frustrating. We try to make up for that in the spring if we do have, you know, some time there and on weekends. But uh, that's the hardest part. And then you mentioned the fact of, of moving around a little bit because, you know, when it's such a pressure-packed business. And if you're not having success, then they're going to end up moving you out and you're going to have to go find a job. Mm-hmm. If you are having success, then then people are calling on you, you know, and you're going to have other opportunities, and then you got to make a decision. Do you leave or stay? But um, So that part of is really tough as well. You know, it's hard to plan for, like, you know, five years down the road, you know, because you just don't know where you're going to be. You don't know what's going no to happen, doubt. you know. In this profession, the unknown. Now, Beth and I, and, and we're fortunate for the fact that we're kind of spontaneous. We have a lot of spontaneity where – you know, when we didn't have any kids, like, hey, let's just go down to the beach. You know, you just take off, go to the beach. I, I love that part. So, but that's kind of our life. That's kind of been our life. You know, it's you just it's just hard to plan. So you so when you having said that, 
every day you you take it as a day and mm-hmm. let's let's make this a great day today and so you really do live day by day you know and um year by year and that's how you do it um and then you try to make the best of it and I th- but i think that's why we've been able to be very successful having that approach yeah i i had a conversation um the night before one of my uh broadcast gigs in buffalo with one of their assistant coaches and he he was he was willing to bet me in a few years i'd be back in a coaching circle mm-hmm. I'd be back in a building and I told him I, you know it's it's tough because you're away and he said yeah I get it but I've also coached in five Super Bowls and I'm away a lot but my son also gets to go to these Super Bowls and yeah. he gets to experience stuff right. that his buddies don't get to experience yeah. so there's give and take with that there he's is. he's also been all over the country doing different jobs yeah. and it's it's tough on the families I at least um I don't want to ruin my uh my uh prospects in broadcasting saying I would get into coaching one day but man I just feel like just getting out of ball to be uh something really tough to thrust Mm -hmm. Leslie and the kids into now and 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 I'm gone a lot for broadcasting right now but it's only four or five months I'm gone and then I'm back the whole year and when I'm home I'm home and I know I don't have to move per se right right now for the the gig and all that so and and it's but but man Having football conversations, and, <laughs> get you and geared get, up. Oh get, man, get in there. yeah. Like, well, and, and you would be awesome at it. I mean, you, you know, you're so passionate at what you do, and you know, and, and obviously you're really good at football, and and you would do a great job with it. But you do, you know, there are sacrifices, you know, um, with your family and your kids, and you know, you'd miss out on some of these the the daddy daughter time. I see you taking your daughter to, mm-hmm. to, to to Waffle House, you know, last week. She loved that. So, I mean, and going to sushi and getting her nails done. Yep. So all those times, you're not going to get those back. And that's, it's awesome that you're able to do that. And so taking advantage of that. So, so you guys, you guys a pretty good thing going on right now as well. So, you know, it's, um, you just got, when you look at life, uh, you don't ever want to look back and say, I wish I would have, or whatever, you know, the thing you'll never say is I wish I, you know, I was able to spend time with my daughter and son. So that that's what you're able to do now. Absolutely. And, and, and last point on this, the the one thing you don't get with the broadcast, and, and I'm the Buffalo Bills radio analyst on Sunday, so I, I get the root for the team mm-hmm. pretty much. Mm-hmm. But I'm not in the locker room after the game. Yeah. I'm back out at a tailgate. I'm Now I'm hanging with Jim Kelly at his tailgate, <laughs> and we're having a good time, you know, and yeah. it's special. And I get to bring my buddies and hang out with Hall of Famers, and it's cool. But, man, I'm not in that locker room because yeah. I, I didn't invest. That's right. I did not invest to get in that locker room. Yeah. And, and that's what – you know, when they have a good win, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not empty inside. Yeah. But there's a there's a piece of me that wishes I was a part of that. But switching gears a little bit, before we talk about your transition to Louisville and and in taking this job, talking about the most famous win, my I remember where I was watching this. I was in U of L's locker room before one of our games, and we were watching App State mm-hmm. play Michigan. Mm-hmm. You weren't the head coach at the mm-hmm. time. But how confident were you going into that game that you could get that win? Uh, not real, not not real com- <laughs> confident, quite honestly. I, I remember back, yeah, that was '07, and I was coaching quarterbacks, calling the pl- offensive plays that that day. And um, I remember leading up to that because you know, obviously, it was our first game of the season. But they played in a Rose Bowl the year before. I mean, I, they were they were number five team in the country pre coming in coming into that game. Um, they had so many really, really good players off that Rose Bowl team, and I remember watching the obviously watching their defense leading up to it. We didn't – I remember not even letting our players watch Michigan film. Wow. Because I didn't want them to get – like say, there's no way we can beat these guys. So we really didn't show them much Michigan film. 
we really concentrated on us um, and showed them what we need to be doing. You know, now you got to think, in 05, we won a national championship, uh, one double-A uh, back, back then. 06, we won a, another one. Well, 07, the time we're getting ready to play Michigan, we had our sophomore quarterback who was a freshman the year before that won a national championship. We, he was a very good player. We felt very confident in him moving the ball. Um, you know, but we're, you know, we're, we're going to Michigan. We, at the time, we got uh, 58, 59 guys on scholarship. You know, we were 1AA, so 63 was the limit. But we had about 59 on scholarship. Our starting center was out that game because he got hurt during preseason camp. Armani Edwards, our quarterback, was uh, hurt his AC joint of his left shoulder, which is his throwing arm. He was a left-handed kid two weeks prior. Didn't practice for two weeks leading up to Michigan. So Jeez. None of these people really know these backstories. It's crazy because um, we had a very physical camp. Our coach Moore, our head coach, we listen, we got to get after this fall camp. We got to be physical, and we, we were. And all, but, but we're losing guys, you know, and so we're going into this game. So and Armani didn't play or uh, didn't practice. And are you ready to go, Armani? Yeah, coach, I'm playing. Okay. So we go up there and – I remember on Thursday before the Saturday game, it was pouring the rain in, in Boone. And, and Coach said, look, we just canceled practice. We didn't even practice the Thursday leading up to it. I'm like, man, we've never done this before. He's like, yeah, we're ready. Don't worry about it. We just met, didn't practice. Well, Fridays before games back then, we used to just kind of little go out there and mess around. We, we didn't do anything on Fridays, never practice. We basically go to the stadium, go out on the field and, and play walk football or just throw the ball around or whatever. But since we didn't practice that Thursday, we actually did a little bit more on that Friday. We ran some plays in their stadium. And, and I remember uh, John Holt was one of our leaders, offensive linemen. Uh, we brought it up as a team on Friday at practice and getting ready to break it down. He said, all right, I want everybody – this is a player. He said, I want everybody to turn around and look at this stadium. and Because it's the biggest stadium we've ever played in. And, he, and everybody turned around, kind of looked at the stadium, and, he, and everybody turned back to him and he said all right don't ever look back up there again and let's let's go kick there you know what and we broke it down and this was on a on that friday um so our guys were confident and uh, you know so we go out there on that day on saturday and, and and i remember they took it down and scored the very first drive but but we get the ball it's the third it's the third play it's third and seven we run a little little shallow route and we throw it to dexter jackson and he takes it up the middle goes about 70 yards for a touchdown and at that point, we knew we had a chance. I mean, that's the third mm -hmm. play of the game for us, and we knew we had a chance. And, uh, you know, and then the rest is history. It was, it was so surreal uh, being a part of that, being in that stadium. At halftime of the stadium, of the game, I'm calling plays up there and, and there. And I think we're up two touchdowns at halftime. And they had already told us before the game, they said, listen, by the time you get down to the locker room, you got to turn around and come right back up. So, because you got to get a, a you know, go down the elevator, get a police car to drive you around the stadium. Like, because the stadium's so big. And, mm -hmm. and so we're winning. I just told the guys, I said, listen, guys, I'm just going to stay up here in the box. You just, just tell the guys, good job. They're, you know, what am I going to tell them at halftime, you know? And so I went and got a, a popcorn and a Coke, came back and just kind of took it all in. I mean, it's unbelievable. I was, I was eating popcorn, drinking my Coke at halftime, saying, this is pretty cool. And uh, we knew they were going to make a run, and of course they did in the third quarter. But we were able to hang on at the end. But what a day! A day that will obviously live forever. Um, it's one of the greatest upsets in college football history. No doubt, that's an incredible story. Hell yeah! And and, and yes, that's a lot of backstory that I had never yeah. heard. And you don't appreciate stuff like that. Oh man! And did you was that the time that you kind of because you do that kind of fast Friday now? We before do. the games, is that when it started? No, we switched it. Uh, shoot, we, when I when I came to head coach, so we didn't we didn't change until what was that twenty thirteen or fourteen? Right in there, it's when we changed doing that. But we kind of has had that routine for years for co with Coach Moore. I mean, you know, he was there for twenty four years uh, when he his last season was two thousand twelve. 
Um, and this was 07, you know, and so we kind of had the same routine. But, um, but yeah, we switched it whenever I got – because I switched the whole practice schedule, kind of the way we do things now, you know, where we have our walkthrough on Thursdays and then our run-through practice on Fridays. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit different. But, um, but, no, that's why we did it then, and it worked then, and now what we do now works too. So, I guess, you know, it's just whatever you believe in. By my calculation, prior to coming to Louisville, you had been in Boone 18 of 21 years in coaching mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. with with stops at Toledo and FIU mixed in. That's right. How tough was it to leave Boone? And, <laughs> and I know it's tough for you. It's also tough on your family oh, as well yeah. as we talked about. Well, it's really difficult to leave. Um, <clears throat> you know, and, and that's not counting the five years as a player. So, 23 total years, you know. And, uh, shoot, that was – you know, I was that's more than – longer than half my life at that point. And um, so that was home to me, and I still feel like it's home, you know. I mean, it's uh, – you know, when you spend – like you talked about a while ago, you were talking about invested. I mean, I was invested in that program as a player, as a coach, all the blood, sweat, and tears, and memories, and, um, you know, the friendships that you made as a player and a coach. And and to, and to, and to leave that place, it's hard. Um, it, it, really, it still is hard for me. I mean, it – you know, it's such a love for that place, and uh, until you've, unless you've been there and you've been through it, then you don't understand it. Um, it's just, you just don't. It's, it's different. It's a different kind of place, and uh, you know, so you think about it, and you know, and I'm pulling for them and everything that they do, and they still ha- are having great success, and uh, you know, but but it, it came a point in time to where you know I felt like if I was gonna leave, it's now's the time to do it, and. But there's never a good time. There's never an easy time. And then, and if particularly when you talk about family with my, my three uh, kids um, that were in high school, um, mm-hmm. that's a tough time to leave. You know, that, that's an extreme tough time to leave in high school. And they basically grew up there. And, you know, and then uh, Bryce uh, ended up staying. You know, so uh, that, that's, that's the difficult part. You mentioned the kids. That's the difficult part about moving. You t- you come here and you take over a two and ten football team, and we were extremely excited about the hire here in Louisville. I know at the time it was a lot of people had their sights set on Jeff Brom, yeah. and it was a natural fit. Yeah. And and he ended up staying at Purdue. And you came in and you said all the right things. And anytime there's a transition in a program, someone's going to look for a difference. Well, there was an obvious difference in the words you were using in the media than what Coach Petrino had previously used. I played for Coach Petrino. I have a tremendous amount of respect for him. I think there's many ways to win in football as far as the leadership style. The main thing's consistency. But what was order of business number one when you took over this team? Well, you know, when you first of all, when you take over, I, I really didn't know a whole lot about Louisville at all, really. Um, you know, when I was at FIU, the one year I was, uh, two years I was at FIU, one of the years we came and played Louisville, and we ended up winning that game. And um, that's kind of my only recollection, recollection with Louisville. I didn't really know anything else. I just knew Lamar Jackson had played here, and he was phenomenal. And, uh, and I was like, man, that, that program right there has, has got a chance. And so and, – and there's one other thing that people don't realize. You know, when you're at a group of five co- uh, college like I was and, and we were having success and all you're doing is trying to win championships there, and all of a sudden you get a call and an opportunity to leave, you don't have time to really research it. Right. You know, you're either going to take it or you're not. And you don't. it's not like I, got, I was able to get in a plane and come up here and look at it and, you know, say, okay, yes, that's I, I, where I want to be. You know, you either got to take it or not. And you're basically taking a leap of faith. Are you trusting your agent at that point? or I, You're not trusting – really, I'm really trusting God. That's right. who I'm trusting. I mean, as a man of faith, that's who I'm trusting. I've been praying about it. And, and so, you know, because you really can't trust your agent or, you know, word of mouth or anybody else because, you, you know, they don't know you. They don't know – you know, what makes you tick, so to speak. And so, um, 
I, I just I, I just thought it was a great opportunity, and um, from the things that I had seen. But I, you know, in taking this job, I didn't even, I didn't even realize they had given up fifty straight uh, fifty points in five straight games. I didn't know that. Yeah, I kind of joked on the speaking circuit last year. I was like, had I known that, I probably wouldn't have taken this job. Right. You know? But I really, I just knew they struggled a little bit. I knew they won two games, and I thought, you know, listen, they, they haven't been far removed from a, a team that was really, really good. And so, certainly we can go up there and we can get this thing turned around. So, But the message when I got here was, um, listen, let's just let's try to build trust. You know, I want to build trust within the players and the team. And, you know, you get here, it's a whirlwind. you got to build a staff. you got to figure out what kind of team you have, what players you have, who's going to be here, who's not. Because, obviously, there's a lot of guys that got in the portal and decided to leave. And, um, you know, so I'm just trying to get the lay of the land, which took you know a long time to get the lay of the land and figure out what we need, don't need. But I think the biggest thing for the kids is just to say, listen, hey, we're going to be here for you. We're going to put our arms around you. We're going to love on you. Um, we're going to coach you hard. And we're going to hold you accountable. But we're going to be consistent. I mean, every single day we're going to be consistent. And I know it's going to take time. And, and, it, and it's still taking time. I mean, even to this day, I mean, we're, we've got a long ways to go. But – but I think we are being consistent. The guys know where we are with everything, and, and they've really bought into it. And um, it's been unbelievable to see from when we got here to where we are right now, the transformation. You mentioned that streak of giving up 50, mm -hmm. 50 points, and, and I think it was when we were sitting in your kitchen over the summer, I had told you, if, you know, if you give up 50 points to Notre Dame, <laughs> yeah. you set a new NCAA record, and you're the head coach now, <laughs> and you're going to be credited right. for that record. Um, but we also I thought about that, by the way, too, <laughs> leading up to that, even even during the game. And I was like, at halftime, I was like, man, I hope, hopefully right now we're pretty good shape not to give up 50. Yeah. We also talked about expectations that night, and and you had kind of – during the media, you were slow playing the mm -hmm. team, which rightfully so. There's no reason to come in and put unrealistic expectations on this program. That's unfair to the kids. You didn't know really what you had. In your wildest dreams, did you think eight wins were uh, ahead of you this year? No. Because no. that's a heck of a schedule no, you played, too. No. I, I would take, you know, eight wins is a, to me is a very, very good year any year. I mean, you know, I, I just think if you consistently win eight wins, man, you're going to – you're going to have a great opportunity to stay at a school for a long time because it's hard to win college football games. And then not only win eight, eight games, we won five in ACC to have a winning record in ACC. And you can go back even like right now and look at head coaches in the ACC and, and count up how many winning seasons they've had in the ACC. I mean, it's hard. And for us to be able to do that off a team that did not win one conference game the year before, um, you know, and then and I'm had you asked me at the end of the spring practice last year, I like man, I, hopefully we can win a couple. I mean, because we we just had so far to go, and you know, you're still trying to find roles for guys. Where are we going to play certain guys? Um, you know, we it's it just it was very difficult, and um, you know, so to, to win that many games is phenomenal. Uh, is the best coaching job I've ever been around. Uh, I mean, really. Um, and with this coaching staff, what they were able to accomplish and do and, and these kids to continue to buy in day in and day out. And, you know, we had a few games where we didn't show up and it was, it was, it was very hard struggled. But, man, those, those other games, those eight wins, those eight games, tr tremendous uh, job by our staff and our players. It was fun to be a part of. You mentioned the guys buying in. Um, you know, I think it's important to always be crystal clear on what you're buying into. Uh, I remember uh, when Coach Petrino got fired last year, uh, there was a few weeks of uncertainty who the next coach was going to be. I, I forwarded Vince Tyra, the athletic director here, um, a video of James Franklin doing a TED Talk talking about core values. And I said, I don't know who's coming in next, but you got to have someone to, uh, that, that has some core values that they stand on. 
what are the core values? I know you have them. I've seen yeah. them around the building. Yeah. What are the core values you, you want your guys to buy into? Well, yeah, there, there are certain things that we talk about day in and day out. And, um, you know, I think the very first one is one of the things that we talked about right when we first get, get, got here was project positive energy. I mean, to me, in a world full of negativity, you have to be positive. You have you, we got to fight to be positive, and you got to you got to fight for it. You got to fight for for your culture. You got to fight for these core values. But that's the very first thing. It's real easy to wake up every morning. You can wake up and say, "Oh man, here we go again," you know, and have that mindset. Well, if you have that mindset, then it's probably not going to be that good of a day. Right. And we want to we want to project positive energy even when we're having a bad day. And but that takes you got to have great support. And so when I say support, I'm talking about your coworkers, your teammates, the guy, the people that you're around. That if you are having a bad day, then the, the, here comes the guy who's going to hit you on the butt and say, all right, let's go. And that may be all you need, you know, to, to get it going. So you never know how you can influence somebody. And so that's the one thing that we talk about all the time is trying to be positive. Um, talk about it to my staff. And, and for the most part, we are. I mean, you know, we're human, you know, and you're going to have some, some days where it's going to be more difficult. But if you can have that, that mindset of today's going to be great, we got a great opportunity today, what can we get accomplished today? When you do that, then the good things are going to happen to you. And I think and, – and it's also a little bit of a belief, you know, a belief that we're going to get this done today. You know, because I'm not, I'm not huge on, on looking at, all right, you know, you know, winning 10 games or 12 games or, you know, winning a championship. Yeah, we want to do all those things, but, but you got to focus on today. I'm really a huge believer in just staying in the moment and, and being focused on today. But project positive energy is huge, uh, huge, huge thing for us. Another one is trust and respect. Again, we talked about when we first got here is trust. I mean, we want to trust each other. But this trust goes always. It goes from coach to coach. It goes from player to player. It goes from player to coach and coach to player. I mean, we want to be able to trust each other in everything that we're doing. And you do that by being consistent. And so, we, you know, we have to be consistent as, on a daily basis. And then you want to be respect. I want to respect everybody. You don't have to love everybody, but you need to respect everybody. When you, when you do that, I think a lot of great things are going to happen. Another one of our things that we came up with when I first got the head job was, was the other ten. You know, there's, a, there's 11 guys on the football field, but I'm going to play for the other 10. You know, we all have that mindset, I don't want to let you down. You know, if, you're, if I'm coaching with you, I don't want to let you down as a coach. And if, if I'm playing for you, coach, I'm not going to let you down. I'm going to give everything I have. And I want the players to know that from our coaches, and we're not going to let you down. You know, we're, we're playing, we're coaching for the, for the other 10, for the other guys that we're surrounded with. And I think when you do that, you can have more individual success than you ever dreamed of. If, if you're trying to play for the other guy, I'm not going to let him down, then great things are going to happen for you. And I think that's, that's where the other 10, you know, comes into play. Um, we don't have a whole lot of rules around here, but one of the things, and it's a core value, is do what's right. You know, we all know what's right and what's wrong. Right. So choose to do what's right. You have a choice every day. Choose to do what's right. And I think when you do that, if you tell our guys, if you have to stop and think about it, is this, should I do this? Then don't do it. And it's probably not going to be right. No doubt. You know, so, so just do what's right. I, I just believe if you live your life that way, then, then again, good things are going to happen to you. And, and, you know, our last core value, which I think is probably the thing that, that I love the most, is have fun. I mean, have fun. Go through life having fun, you know. Even enjoy the moments when things are not that good because that's when you, you know you're growing. You know, when, when things are not good. When I'm sitting in that locker room down in Miami this past year, that wasn't very wasn't a good feeling. But you know what? We got better off of that. We grew off of that. And, and so you still can have fun with, the, with that. You don't like that moment. But, 
but we but every day we're coming in this office we try to have fun we cut up we try to cut up with our players we're working our tails off but that is fun and then we're gonna have fun in the locker room after we win you know people talk about well you know, it's been a big deal about on social media this year we're filming our stuff in our locker room our celebrations well that's fun you work too hard not to celebrate. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you be because winning is hard, hard to make happen. So have fun in the locker room. Have fun in your workouts. Have fun in your whole approach. Um, and then at the end of your life, when you look back on it, you're like, man, that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed my whole life and what I did because I projected a positive energy, energy, image, everything that I was doing, and I had fun doing it. You know, and I think that's what it's like. I always talk about, you know, people – People say, well, man, well, if I get to here, then, then I'll start having fun. Or, you know, if I, if I won the lottery, then I – no, you're not. If you're a miserable poor person, <laughs> you're going to be a miserable rich person, you know, because so, it's all, you know, what you, how you approach life. And so, to me, we're, and that's what we're trying to teach all our players, you know. And I know they all come from different backgrounds. And, they, and some of them come from rough, rough backgrounds and rough neighborhoods and all that. But we're trying to show them, hey, if you can li- kind of live like this, man – then you can get out of that situation. You can become something that you never dreamed you could become. And so that's that's what we're all about as coaches, trying to develop these guys. Yeah, one of my favorite things of being on a football team was always where everybody's from. But you know what? When you walk in our cafeteria, everyone sits together. That's right. It doesn't look like uh, it's not segregated. That's right. You know, it, yep. it's a microcosm of what society should be like in, in those core values you talk about. I'm glad you talked about them in detail, too, because – 99% of the people that tune into this podcast aren't coaches. They're not yeah. players, but they're in business. They run their families. I mean, those are those are core values that you can take to the business yeah. world, implement in your life on a day-to-day basis, and that's where the impact comes, um, you know, in life is not, you know, it's not who can you impact in just football circles. Well, yeah. not everyone's in a football circle, and I appreciate you sharing those. I won't ask you to talk about any current players. It's not fair. I know you'd talk positive about them, but you wouldn't – it would be impossible to talk about the whole roster right now and, and, and yeah. truly shed everyone in a great light. But uh, a guy who's coming out in the draft this year is Mekhi Becton. He had a great junior season, some truly dominant blocks. One of my favorite things I saw him do on film this year is just cutting. And oh, you yeah. know what? When when you throw a cut block and you throw your body on the ground and you're six foot seven, yeah. 300-something <laughs> pounds, 350-plus right. pounds yeah. – when you're willing to do that and get off the ground yourself, play after play when you're on the backside of a wide zone, that's a sign of someone who's ca- who's care, who cares, mm-hmm. who's bought in, mm-hmm. who respects the staff, who feels loved. When I when I th- when I think about Makai, wh- what did you have to do from a a motivation standpoint? Uh, wh- how did you get him to make those changes on the field this year? Because his performance took off because of it. Yeah, no, no question. You know, I think um, you know, just like the way we approached our team, you know, we you had to you had to approach Kyle that way. You had to approach, you know, you just take, pick a player, two two that way, you know, because you're you're going to them and just telling them, listen, just hey, believe in what we're doing, buy in what we're doing, and you'll have great success. We all knew Kyle wants to play in the NFL, and he, and he's going to. I mean, but we knew that then. But when we walk, went back and watched film from the year before, you know, his play wasn't up to par. I mean, it wasn't up to par to be a, a top draft pick. And so, you know, and Coach Lefford comes in here, and, and Coach Led has obviously done a great job developing players to that to that next level. And, you know, and, and Kai started uh, really listening to Coach Led about what he was telling him. Here's, here's how we can get you there. And it's going to take daily basis of working hard and fund, working on your fundamentals. And then you're going to have to play more physical. You're going to have to give more effort. You're going to have to finish. And, man, what, what, a, what a great job Kai did throughout his time with us in, in this year of getting better and better every single day. And as you watch, you know, the, the film, 
of him against Notre Dame. That was the very first game, man, the way he came off the ball. They had some good defensive ends. He did a great job. But every single game he got better and better and better. And now I think as I look back, I think about the Syracuse game, which was in a sense his his senior day. Uh, it was his last home game here. And he was so so geeked up to play in that game, and he dominated that game. I mean, I one of the plays that stands out for me in, in, in this season was he's blocking a guy – Really, actually two plays – um, but one of the plays, he's blocking a guy, and he knocks him down. The guy gets up. He goes and knocks him down again. The guy gets up, and he knocks him down again three times. Then the other play, he's blocking a guy on outside zone. He takes him to the, to the sideline. He didn't finish until basically got, get, gets all the way to the bench, almost take out coaches on the sideline. Coach Mike was over there, had to get out of the way. Um, that's finishing, you know. Yep. And that was his last game here in this stadium, and, and so – we talked to our players like, you know, how do you want to be remembered? Well, I'm going to, be re I'm going to remember him with a plays like that, the way he dominated. And he can dominate every play. I mean, he, he has such tremendous talent. The size, the strength, um, the quickness, uh, he's got a great ability, you know. And if he'll bring that intensity like he did in that game all the time, then he'll play for a long time, you know. And that's, that, that's going to be up to him. But, uh, man, he was fun to be around. I've never, I've never seen a guy that big that can move that good. Uh, I've never been around it. And – you know, that's a special talent. And, um, you know, so I'm excited for him and um, his next journey, next phase, um, you know, going to the NFL. And it's going to be, you know, another guy we can pull for. We've had a ton of guys over the years that are playing in the NFL and that have played and are still playing that, um, you know, we, we love to brag on those guys. You know, and we use them in recruiting, obviously. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, nothing but the best for Kai and, and his future. And, um, you know, he, I'm excited for him. Yeah, I remember when he was uh, a true freshman coming in, they had me work out with him in the summer, and they said, wait till you see this kid. <laughs> and he could bend, yeah. he could jump, he was explosive. Uh, he's, he's a great kid when you get to yep. meet him. I say kid, he's getting older oh, yeah. now. But, well, you know, I'm thinking back to the 18-year-old version yep. of, of him. Um, and, and I've been asked about him a lot. Oftentimes before the games, I'm the sideline analyst for ACC Network. So a lot of times before the games, there's a lot of scouts around. Well, when they know I'm from Louisville, they'll, these scouts want to know about Makai. And I said, you know, what I'm seeing on film this year is a guy that I would have wanted to play with on Sundays. Yeah. And I can tell you that right now. Yeah. Let's uh, let's talk about how you hire a coaching staff, uh, your assistants, and I think this translates to business and everything else. But when you when you approach these guys, or when you're targeting a, a guy for your staff, what are you looking for? Well, I think you know. First of all, um, it's not the X and O's that I'm per se looking for. I, I'm I'm looking for a fit. Well, all right, what is a fit? I mean, the fit for me is a guy that is going that has integrity. That's go. Uh, you know what he says he's going to do, he's going to do. Um, a guy that that is um, that that just does things right. Um, a guy that's going to work hard. Um, you know, a guy that's going to treat his family right. Um, you know, I think that's huge to me. I, you know how how you how you treated your wife, how you treated your kids. Um, yeah, that tells a lot about a man. And I think uh, you know because I know how how's he going to treat our players? Because that's what I'm looking at. You know, how how is he going to affect our team and our players? Um, how is he going to affect our staff? I, I'm not going to bring somebody in our staff. That's going to be one of these guys that are that'll that'll disrupt our chemistry that we have going on with our staff. So I think chemistry is huge, you know. So I think for all those reasons. So when I'm looking and talking and interviewing people that I want to bring a part of our staff, then they have to be special in my eyes, um, and not necessarily like I said the football part of it because I think there's a lot of people that can draw X, they, they can draw plays up, um, but how they carry themselves, how they're going to interact with each other, um, you know, those things are extremely important to me. 
Um, and, and and what are their priorities? You know, are these guys coming in? Are they are they hungry? Are they eager to continue to learn and get better? Um, that that's important as well. You know, I, to me, I don't want somebody that's on their last leg and they're just trying to coast out. I want somebody that's that's um, that's looking for to be innovative. Um, you know, to bring the next one. And, and I also I don't want you know, yes men. I want people to have their own opinion. You know, about things that so when they come in, they got different ideas. You know, we can talk we can talk about those ideas and then. Then you know, then we'll come up with a plan. But, but, but all those things are what we're looking for, and um, you know, and, and I think that that's the hard part. I think uh, because you know, you're making hires, you, you want to get it right. You know, and there's a lot of moving parts within a football team and in a staff. And um, you know, so I, you know, fortunately, I've been blessed to have a bunch of guys that have stuck with me over the years. And uh, you know, and a lot of the guys we brought in here work with me at App State. You know, that we were able to did we did branch out and get a few more guys and and. You know, as we speak today, Dale Jones went back to App State to be a defensive coordinator, so we're hiring a linebacker coach right now as we speak and been able to talk to a lot of those candidates. And so that's what I'm looking for as I'm talking to them, guys that will fit within our culture or what, we, what we're trying to get out of our all of our staff members. Yeah, and, and through a mutual friend, I, I had found out that Beth went down to help you interview guys because you want to make sure yeah. that their wives get along. And to me, that's so impressive um, in, in a culture where guys can – can um, forget about their wives easily just because yeah. of the amount of time you spend at the stadium and you kind of put them on the back burner. I love the pictures I see of guys posting online when they have the players over for dinners and they include their wife. Yeah. And I said this to you all after the bowl game, uh, and I, I don't say this just because I want you to talk about how good I was singing on stage. <laughs> but, you know, I complimented a few of you all, and I said, you know what's so cool? You all get together after the game and you're all celebrating – but all your wives are together, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and and it's a family deal as opposed to, um, you know, as opposed to kind of segmenting the wives. Hey, this is the guy's time. You know, you can tell that you built a staff in that way. And and I tried to compliment. It was it was, a, it was pretty loud in there, but I tried yeah. to compliment you all on that because for me, it, I've been around a lot of staffs. I had seven head coaches in nine years <laughs> in Buffalo. I've been around a lot of coaches, and I've just been extremely impressed by the continuity of the staff and how you all include your wives and your families and how everything matters because in a business it's the same way. One rotten egg can ruin yeah. the whole culture, and you got to be so careful about that. So I was interested to see what your process was on that. What's your ultimate goal in coaching? Man, that's a great question. I don't know. I think uh... – I think probably the ultimate goal is is just to impact young people in a positive way. I think that's probably the ultimate goal, um, you know, because I don't necessarily sit here and have, you know, like career goals or where I want to be five or ten, as I, as I talked about earlier. I just try to be good today and um, this year, this upcoming year. And so when you do that, then your ultimate goal is, has to be a positive impact, impact for these young people and this coaching staff, I mean, and the people that I come in contact with. I – you know, I would hope that over the years um, that I've been impacted the coaches that I've been able to, that I've coached with um, in a positive way, and that they that the ones that have carried on some, to go somewhere else, um, or even the ones that are staying here, that that we're impacting them as as fathers, as husbands, um, as just people in general. You know, and so often when I'm talking to our team and our players, I, it's very rarely about X's and O's. It, it's it's I'd say 98 percent of the time that I'm talking to our players and team, it's about – it's life. It's life things. Um, just trying to help them understand importance of different things and, and you know, and, and money's not it, you know. And then so many times as young people, that that's all they look at and say, i got to make money, you know. And, but that's not the most important thing. 
that's going to be a byproduct of whatever you do. But that's yes. that's not the most important thing. That's not going to be fulfilling to you if that's all you're looking at. Um, you know, so so I'm just talking to them about that. I just, so I, I think ultimately I want to be, you know, the person that it, it, uh, impacts these guys in a positive manner, um, that they have a great experience when they leave our program, and um, you know, and they are, and then when they come back, they can say, Coach, man, I just thank you so much for everything you guys did for us. And I think that I think that's the ultimate goal. No matter where I'm coaching at or what I'm doing, that's got to be the ultimate goal because we have such influence on these young people, you know, and. And I don't ever take that for granted. You know, if, if I'm speaking in front of our team, then I, I take it serious because I know here's a, a short time of opportunity that I have to impact these guys. Whatever I'm saying, whatever the words come out of my mouth is going to impact them one way or the other, in a negative or a positive manner. So, so I'm very careful to say what I'm saying to them. Um, hopefully it's in a positive manner to where um, they can get something out of it. You know, and there's going to be times where you're going to get on them. I mean, I, I remember after the Florida State game this past year, I mean, I got on them in that locker room, you know, because – I felt it needed to be done, but it's all in a, in a manner where I'm not, you know, degrading to them. You know, I'm just trying to, hey, fire them up and pump them up to what we got to be able to do. So, um, but but impacting these young people, that's that's the ultimate goal. That's that's great stuff. Yeah. I, I absolutely love that. Um, I loved what you said about money not being the goal. Yeah. And that, yes, there's a lot of people that are probably listening and know my contract situation over my career, know your contract situation here and yeah. say, well, that's right. easy for those two to say. Yeah. But – Money becomes a byproduct of finding something you're passionate about, trying to be the best at whatever you're passionate about, whatever you're getting into. Money is a byproduct of that. There's many ways in this world to make money. It's not. It doesn't have to be in the football world. And and I liked what you said in regards to that because that can't be your ultimate driver, or it's not going to work out. That's right. All right. So we have some recurring questions with our guests. It's fun to compare these. If you couldn't be a coach, what would you do for a living? I think I'd probably uh, be a contractor. I like building houses. I've I've, I've built probably nine or ten throughout my life, and um, I enjoy that because here here and it's probably very similar to a you know football team or being a head coach of a football team because you know I, I see a raw piece of land and then you kind of vision kind of what you want out of it. You know you vision like you know here we'll clear this part out right here. We're gonna put the driveway right here. We'll tweak this part of the plan here, you know, and then, I'll, then you see the finished product at the end. So it's very similar to coaching where, you know, you're coming into a program and you're kind of tweaking here and tweaking there, and then at the end of it you see the, the final product at the end of the season, you know. So, so but building, I, you know, I, I mentioned earlier about my dad being, in, you know, paving bit contractor and concrete. So I've always kind of been in that, uh, but I enjoy that. I enjoy seeing the product start to finish and, and seeing it all the way through. What's your favorite book? Man, favorite book uh, – I got several, but probably right. Probably the Energy Bus is probably my favorite book, and it's a simple John Gordon little read. As a matter of fact, we're reading this book right now. We've got a group we call the Ten Strong Group, and in this spring, we're, we just had our first meeting uh, this week, and we, we gave them the book and we told them what we're going to do about. It. But it, it is such a simple book, but it is so awesome, and uh, I would encourage anybody if they haven't read the the John Gordon book, the Energy Bus, go read it because we talk about impacting where you are. You know, this book is about a city bus driver who impacts everybody that gets on her bus. And she changed – and essentially you can change the world from wherever you are, no matter what your role is, no matter where it's at, if you have the right perspective. She is so positive and, and it impacts everybody that gets on her bus. Um, that, that, that is amazing to me, uh, the impact you can have no matter what you – whatever your role is. It doesn't matter. And, and we all have that power. 
And I, that's why I like this book. And so, anyway, we're going to share this with our team and, and hopefully impact our team in a positive way. That may be my favorite book as well. The guy who got me into reading was a guy named Ken Lola. He used to be the soccer coach at L. He spoke at a men's group I was a part at at church one morning. And he said, if you start reading 15 minutes a day in five years from now, whatever the time frame was, he said, you'll be in the top most well-read 1% in the entire world. Wow. I left there and said, man, I should start reading. I come over to L to work out, and the soccer team just happened to be using the Traeger Center. I just went up and shook his hand. I said, hey, I just want to let you know you did a phenomenal job this morning. We exchanged email addresses. I had cre- uh, told him my interest in reading. We've kind of been in a little book club since. That was, uh, I hate to admit it, but I mean for probably 14 years ago, 13 wow. years ago now. But uh, the Energy Bus was the first book he recommended. Really? And so that's when I kind of first started getting into reading. I had read books mm-hmm. in the past, but not many. Mm-hmm. And there would be like maybe a military story someone said was good or whatever it may have been. And I, I absolutely love John Gore, and I love what yeah, he's all about. Um, what role does your faith play in your life? Yeah, a, a huge, huge part of my life, obviously. Uh, I mean, I, I was, um, I grew up uh, in the church. Um, I, I remember Emmanuel Baptist Church in Hillsborough Road in Durham. It was right by our house. And uh, just growing up in the church, my mom in, in took me to church every time the doors were open. And um, so it's always been a, a big part of my, my life, and I've leaned on it. Um, and, uh, you know, from the time I was little, um, I just remember the, the little song, you know, and you got a, a friend in Jesus. And, I, and that, that's always kind of stuck in my heart, always. And so I've never felt alone because of that. And, and, I, and, and you know, particularly in this day and age when we're, the mental health is a huge part of a lot of people's lives right now, and particularly young people. Um, and there are a lot of people are lost, you know. And, but, you know, for me, I was, man, I was so blessed to be able to, be able to to have that in my life uh, growing up, and it, and in, it impacts me obviously today. Like I mentioned earlier about, you know, faith took me to this job right here. You know, because I, I was praying, I was praying a lot about, you know, you know, God. I wanted God to open up doors for me, if if He wanted me to be there, and if not, slam the door shut. I'll I'm, I'm, I'll be right here. You know, wherever you want me to be. And this opportunity came open, and um, you know, one part of one of my prayers was that God would already lay the groundwork wherever it's going to be. Uh, and, and here, and the first guy, one of the first guys I saw when I got here was Chris Morgan. And what a blessing, you know. And I'm just, it's amazing how Absolutely. God works. And, uh, and it, you know, what, what's ironic is that Chris was kind of praying the same prayer, you know. And then all of a sudden, he's one of the guys that I meet here. And uh, it, that, that's not a coincidence. I mean, it's, uh, it's amazing um, how God has worked in my life. Um, and I give him all the credit that for, for where I'm at. Because I know in a blink of an eye, everything can be taken away. And all this could be taken away, and um, and if that's if that's if that's what has to happen, and then it'll happen, you know. And I'm but I'm probably content in it within my my own shoes, and uh, but a lot of that is because of my faith, and um, and that's why. And you know what? That's why I don't have many bad days. I mean, quite honestly, um, I've got. I think I've just been truly blessed, and I and I and and I'm, I'm very content with with my life and uh, where it's at. If all if it all gets taken away tomorrow, so uh, so. But that that's the whole deal because of my faith. I love it. What's your favorite restaurant in Louisville? Oh man, gosh, there's a lot of good ones here in Louisville. It is uh, a great and, food and, and I and I haven't I haven't even touched the surface of all the restaurants here. I'm looking forward this spring of of getting and getting out and getting some more restaurants. Um, I, I don't know that. I, I mean, Jeff Ruby's is really really good. Yep. I mean, gosh, it's really good. Uh, that place is awesome. Lamu was one of the first places I went to, which was a great steak. Um, 
you know, Gustavo is a great Mexican. I, I love Mexican. It's right by the house. So I'll go over there quite often. Uh, you know, that that's probably uh, just probably a few right there, I think, that's some of my favorites. That's a strong top three. Yeah. What was your first car? Hmm. My first car. Gosh, well, the first one I drove, and this is this sounds bad probably, but um, my dad, you know, like I said, my dad owned his paving company and was always into cars. My dad, he also raced. He was in racing. He he raced late late model stock. He used to race against Ward Burton, Jeff Burton, some of those guys, Terry Labonte. These are old guys. Wow. But, but, um, but he always had a Corvette, all right, which Bowling Green's not too far down the road where, where they make Corvettes. And uh, so back in 1988 when I got my driver's license, he had an 86 two-year-old red Corvette with a black convertible top. It wasn't my car, but I'm going to act like I'm claiming this for my first car. But I drove it like for three months when I got my license. And, and looking back, I have no idea how or why my dad let me drive that. <laughs> Like, I, there's no way my kids would drive my Corvette if I had one. But but it wasn't mine. But I drove that. And, I, matter of fact, and after three weeks, I think, when I had my license, I got my first speeding ticket. And that's probably about the time he took it from me. And, um, you know, but but really uh, my first probably vehicle that I had was a, was a Toyota pickup truck, a um, little four-cylinder Tacoma, um, black. And I remember driving it to Boone when I first – because I had it a couple of years, and I drove it to, in 1991, August 3rd, going to App State. And I remember having the back of my truck loaded down. Uh, and, and, of course, that's in the mountains. Now. So when I started going up the mountain, I had to put it down in second gear. And I'm going like 15 miles an hour. I barely would get up the mountain, a little four-cylinder truck. I got all these cars lined up behind me. It was a, you know, a two-lane road. And, uh, but I just remember I loved that old truck, that old Toyota pickup truck. What was your first job? First job? Well, I mean, I don't know. Well, working with my dad, I mean, growing up, I was shoveling asphalt when I was 10 years old. Mm -hmm. You know, I think I remember starting out in the summertime, he'd pay me $5 a day. The next year, I got up to $10 a day. The next year, he finally started paying me about an hour. I think it was like $4 an hour and, um, to go out and basically ride around with him. And then when we were on a job, you go out and shovel asphalt or whatever. But that was probably the, the first job I had. I did it every summer. And uh, you know what? I'm going to tell you, that, that job, doing that taught me so much about hard work and about uh, fight. And, and, you know, and Dad always told me, like, you're going to be ready for football by doing this in the summertime. Them other boys will be falling out in August, and you're gonna just going to keep getting stronger. And he was right. Nothing fazed me in football. Like, it never was too hard. Um, I'd get the crap knocked out. I mean, it didn't even phase me get back up and go again. You know, I'm most stubborn. But I think, I think working with those guys and, and that asphalt and that heat uh, in Durham in the summertime, one of the hottest places you can be, um, I think really hardened me and made me tough and it probably made me, you know, a lot who I am today. Last one. What's your favorite movie? Oh, man, favorite movie. Gosh, I got, I got a lot of good – favorite movies um you don't have time to watch movies well i know it but Couple I, I, plane do, rides. I, I do have some favorite movies i probably one of my favorites is uh shawshank redemption it's a good I one i think that's a, so many great one lines in there and uh you know morgan freeman's awesome um that's a, that's a great movie i like uh i like braveheart with mel gibson i just like what it stands for you know the standing up for something and fighting mm -hmm. fighting for what you believe in um i'd say those two are two of my two of my favorite movies Coach, I can't thank you enough for your time today. I can't thank you enough for what these words will do from an impact perspective. Uh, this community appreciates what you're doing here, um, you know, with this football program, but also what you can do with your platform 
uh, here in Louisville and the way you're using it. So just thank you so much for your time and what you do, Coach. Well, I really appreciate it. Again, it's a blessing for me to be the head coach here at Louisville. I, I, I don't take it for granted. Um, and and I, I really enjoy it. Now, we enjoy being here in Louisville. And, uh, and you know, and my, my neighbors that I have are not too bad either, you know, in my neighborhood. So I appreciate you, Eric, for for being a friend and, and being um, who you are and the support you have for us here and one of the first pre- people that we've met when we got here. And uh, um, But uh, but we, uh, we're truly blessed and uh, so grateful to be here. Yes, sir. Thanks, Coach. Thank you for listening to What's Next with Eric Wood. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please rate it five stars and subscribe. That goes a long way for us with this podcast. Tune in in a couple weeks for another new episode.